Hello again, thanks for joining us. This is Astronomy Daily. My name is Andrew Dunkley, your host, and coming up on today's edition, Artemis 1, at last, off the ground and headed to the moon. We'll talk about that at length, and uh, joining us will be Professor Fred Watson. We're also going to look at the potential of hibernation for long-haul space travel, and the uh, meteorites that bombarded Mars in its early days may have carried enough water to create oceans. And Apple, the makers of uh, mobile phones and tablets and all that other jazz, are about to offer SOS technology in their latest uh, phone systems. All that coming up and much, much more on this edition of Astronomy Daily. With your host, Andrew Dunkley. Yeah, good to be with you. And joining us again is Hallie, our AI reporter. Hi, Hallie. Hi, Andrew. Great news about Artemis 1. Yes, indeed. We're going to hear a lot more about that uh, over the course of the next few minutes. I hear you got your name on board. Yeah, uh, that was nice. Uh, I was alerted to it by a Space Nuts listener who said they were offering boarding passes for Artemis 1. I mean, doesn't mean you got to go on the craft itself, it's unmanned, but uh, you got your name on it. So I applied and was accepted. So yeah, my name is hurtling towards the moon as we speak. It must be nice to be a part of history. Oh, I haven't really thought about it that way. I just thought it was a nice publicity stunt, but yeah, it was good to be a part of it. What's happening in the news, Hallie? And I'm pretty sure I know what your first story is. At last, NASA has sent its colossal next-generation rocket into space for the first time on Wednesday. The Space Launch System rocket, or SLS, took off at 1.47 a.m. Eastern Time from Cape Canaveral, Florida, signaling the start of a bold new era for the U.S. government's space program. It also marks a major success for NASA's Artemis program to return to the moon, which has been plagued by years of delays, development mishaps, and billions of dollars in budget overruns. During the past few months, both hurricanes and technical difficulties caused launch delays, including two scrubs. And Andrew, you and Professor Fred Watson will reveal a few more things about the missions shortly. The James Webb Space Telescope has spotted a blazing cosmic hourglass filled with vibrant colors and hiding a fledgling star, or protostar, at its heart. The formation within the Taurus star-forming region and the protostar within it has been hidden to telescopes by a dense dark cloud of gas and dust known as L1527. The formation is only visible in infrared light thus making it an excellent target for the near-infrared camera, an IR cam, aboard the James Webb Space Telescope. Astronomers hope that examining the cosmic hourglass-shaped formation will help illuminate the processes occurring around the protostar, which is itself hidden from view at the neck. The observations could also help explain how infant stars reach adulthood, according to a statement from the Space Telescope Science Institute in Maryland, which operates the telescope. The Infosys Prize 2022 event was held at the Infosys Science Foundation premises in Bangalore on November 15. The Infosys Prize is awarded by the Infosys Science Foundation, ISF, a not-for-profit trust set up in 2009. The annual award goes towards the outstanding achievements of contemporary researchers and scientists in six categories, engineering and computer science, humanities, life sciences, mathematical sciences, physical sciences, and social sciences. Panels of jurors comprising world-renowned scholars and experts shortlisted the winners of the Infosys Prize 2022, 
from 218 nominations. Each prize consists of a gold medal, a citation and a purse of 100,000 US dollars. The award intends to celebrate success in research and stand as a marker of excellence in these fields. We won't run through the long list of winner, but we congratulate them on their achievements. And China has launched a Long March 6A carrier rocket to send a multi-role satellite into orbit, according to China Aerospace Science and Technology Corporation. The state-owned space contractor said in a news release that the rocket blasted off at 6.52 a.m. at the Taiyuan Satellite Launch Center in Shanxi Province and transported the Yunhai-3 satellite into its preset orbit. The satellite is tasked with surveying atmospheric, marine and space environments, providing data to support disaster prevention and mitigation efforts, and carrying out scientific experiments. The launch mission marked the 448th flight of the Long March rocket family and the country's 49th space missions this year. More than 60 rocket launches have been scheduled in 2022. And that's the news, Andrew. Okay, jam-packed there, Hallie. We'll catch you before the end of the show. And uh, not surprisingly, uh, we're all pretty excited about the launch of Artemis One after many, many delays. And I caught up with Professor Fred Watson earlier. Uh, this is a piece of a segment that you'll hear uh, at length or in full on the next edition of Space Nuts, where we discuss the fact that they finally got this puppy off the ground. Indeed, they have the the, the, the trial run for the first um, return of humans to the moon. Artemis 2 will send a uh, human crew on more or less the same trajectory that Artemis 1's uh, going on. It put, it put them in orbit around the moon. And Artemis 3, we hope, will be a lunar landing, mm. perhaps by 2025 or so. But yeah, Artemis won uh, a dress rehearsal for for human flights returning to the moon. It it blasted off at um, five forty seven p.m. our time here in Sydney. Uh, sorry, here in uh, New South Wales, uh, and uh, with um, uh, yeah, all the spectacular uh, and you know hold your breath stuff that we're used to when we watch rocket launches. Yeah, and there was actually a hold up. There was a a hold again because of. Uh, uh, suspected hydrogen leak. Uh, there were some engineers went and talked up one of the joints with their spanners, uh, which I think stopped the leak. Uh, there was a, an Ethernet connection, which was also a bit faulty. So that they put short holds into the countdown. But uh, yeah, 5.47 our time, whatever time that is in the rest of the world. Uh, it uh, it was fantastic. I, um, I I watched all afternoon, but I had to go uh, into the ABC studio in the uh, at the, uh, the critical time. Right. Uh, so I, I couldn't watch the video. But I, when I left the studio and I was driving home, I had it playing uh, in the car radio. I wasn't watching, of course, but uh, the audio was coming through. Uh, and the liftoff was just as I was crossing the Sydney Harbour Bridge. It was a, an epic moment. There was a rainbow in the background, Andrew. It was all there. It was yeah. fabulous stuff. Yeah, it uh, was 6.47 Greenwich Mean Time, yeah, right. uh, 1.47 local time, AM, I think, yeah. and 7.47 uh, CET. I'm just trying to remember what that stands for, but anyway. So, uh, yeah, it's a 25-day mission, this one. Yes, that's right. So at the moment, the status is that uh, the, the launch sequence went perfectly. Uh, all the stuff that it had to do, uh, you know, having uh, attained space, the boosters blowing away, the uh, the emergency abort rocket being jettisoned, 
lots of fairings being jettisoned. Then uh, the core section of the uh, of the SLS, the Space Launch System rocket, uh, falling away. And uh, unlike the Falcon 9s, which we're used to seeing returning uh, to be reused, this one's ditched in the Atlantic Ocean with its four uh, RS-25 engines. Mm. Great shame, but never mind. But everything else then uh, went according to plan. And the uh, the translunar, translunar injection, that's the bit where they squirt the rocket to put it on a path to the moon. That was perfectly flawless, I think about seven hours after the after the launch. And now I believe it's it may have had a mid, uh, mid-course burn already, but we've got a th- uh, six-day, uh, is that right, three to five days of coasting to the moon uh, before it goes into this really wide, retrograde orbits going the wrong way around the moon yeah uh, which is a really interesting maneuver it's it's i think it'll be in orbit around the moon for more than 10 days and as you said uh, comes back and i believe scheduled for the 11th of december that's what i've heard down. i also yeah. heard it's actually going to go forty thousand miles past the moon is that yeah right? that's right Sixty thousand kilometers beyond the moon. It's a it's a wide, wide orbit that's yeah. putting it uh, that's been put in. Yeah, that's Professor Fred Watson, astronomer at large for the Australian Federal Government, and you can hear uh, the entirety of that story and uh, a few other big yarns on Space Nuts uh, due out today. Let's uh, talk other news. Oh, and uh, obviously we'll have more to tell you about Artemis One as that uh, historic twenty-five day mission continues. Now, astronauts could be put into artificial hibernation, according to a report that's out today. And uh, in this particular state, they'll be better protected from cosmic radiation. At the moment, there are already promising approaches to follow up uh, these kinds of considerations. An international research team led by the Biophysics Department of the GSI Helmholtz Zentrum in Darmstadt, nearly got there, uh, now has found decisive indications of the possible benefits of artificial hibernation for radiation resistance. The research partners from Germany, uh, Japan, the UK, US and Italy uh, recently published their results in scientific reports uh, a journal of the Nature Public uh, Publishing Group. And scientists uh, call the state, which hibernating animals enter, to pore. In that state, life-supporting functions of an organism are reduced, body temperature is lowered, metabolism is reduced, and body functions like uh, heart rate and respiration rate, uh, oxygen up- uptake and all of that are slowed down, which apparently at a molecular level, sees gene activity and protein biosynthesis reduce uh, to a slower pace. Uh, harmful effects of space radiation are a major challenge, especially for the future of long-term missions. And the majority of radiation doses are absorbed by crews in manned interplanetary missions. is produced by galactic cosmic radiation, high-energy charged particles, including densely ionising heavy ions produced in distant galaxies. Uh, the connection between Tapor and radio resistance uh, represents a highly innovative research approach, and their results indicate that uh, synthetic Tapor is a promising tool to enhance radiation protection in living organisms during long-term space missions. That sounds pretty exciting. The Astronomy Daily Podcast with Andrew Dunkley.
Now, we uh, do know that at one stage in its history, Mars was not unlike Earth. It had an atmosphere, it had water and liquid oceans, uh, rivers, streams, you name it, Uh, and who knows what else. Maybe it had vegetation, maybe it had uh, microbial life. We're looking for it at the moment. Well, it looks like they've found out that the meteorites that bombarded Mars during its early days uh, in the inner solar system may have carried enough water to create a 300-metre-deep ocean on the planet. Martin Bizarro of the University of Copenhagen in Denmark and his colleagues have been analysing the concentration of rare chromium isotopes known as chromium-54 in samples of meteorites that have come to Earth from Mars to estimate how much water was deposited on the red planet by asteroids. The uppermost layer of Mars contains chemical signatures uh, of uh, carbonaceous or C-type meteorites that bombarded it at its um, crust, uh, solidified some four and a half billion years ago. Because Mars isn't made up of large tectonic plates that move around, causing materials in the planet's interior and surface to churn, the chemical signature from the meteorites should be preserved in the rocks of the planet's crust. But the rocks from the mantle below should still show what Mars was like before the bombardment. And they say uh, it's a bit like reading DNA. Carbonaceous-type asteroids have a very distinct chromium isotope composition relative to the inner solar system. And by looking at the difference between the amount of chromium-54 in samples of meteorites on Earth that have come from either the surface or the mantle of Mars, the researchers have estimated the total mass of the asteroids that originally collided with Mars. And bottom line is uh, the paper gives good evidence of the presence of C-type meteorites in the Martian mantle, but the meteorite samples might not be representative of the bulk of the planet's mantle material, but it might be enough to have created a 300-metre deep ocean at some stage, possibly even deeper, who knows. And finally, if you're an Apple phone user, you'll be excited by this news. Apple is extending its SOS via satellite service for iPhone 14 smartphones to parts of Europe in December. And the company said November 15th, uh, after bringing the capability online across the United States and Canada, they were looking to expand. And the expansion, uh, expansion will enable users outside cellular and Wi-Fi coverage in France, Germany, Ireland and the UK to send basic messages to emergency services in times of need. Uh, Customised components and software on Apple's latest iPhone models, the 14, 14 Plus, 14 Pro, 14 Pro Max, enable them to directly connect with one of 24 satellite global stars operating in low Earth orbit. Uh, I don't know if and when it will be rolled out to other parts of the world, including Australia, but uh, as I've just snapped up a brand new iPhone 14, uh, I certainly would love to have access to that kind of service. One of those things you'd love to have and hope you never need to use. Now, uh, if you want to catch up with those stories and more, you can log on to uh, a new URL, astronomydaily.io. That'll take you straight to the Astronomy Daily uh, newsletter. And you can subscribe to that and get it to your inbox every day free of charge. You can also uh, look up all this information and more at the Space Nuts website, spacenuts.io. Don't forget to leave your reviews for Astronomy Daily on your favourite podcasting platform. Anything before we go, Hallie? 
I've just been sitting here contemplating my existence, Andrew. Oh, really? What, what, why would you be doing that? Because it's World Philosophy Day. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, that's a good day to think about your existence, I suppose. When you really get down to the nuts and bolts of it, how is their existence? There is a question. I'll have to think about that. That'll keep you busy till tomorrow. See you, Hallie. Bye. Until next time, this has been Andrew Dunkley for Astronomy Daily. Astronomy Daily, the podcast, with your host, Andrew Dunkley.